0: To another edition of the One Percent Better podcast with your host Rob O'Donoghue.
1: Hey, folks! Welcome to another episode of One Percent Better, and this one is very close to my heart. In in some ways, maybe maybe closer to my pancreas might be more accurate. I think, Um, and. It's obviously, if you haven't guessed, I'm going to be talking a bit about type 1 diabetes. It's a topic that I talked about a couple of times on the show before. And it's also a disease, a condition or whatever term you want to use that I have, that I uh, have got over the last uh, seven or so years. So we'll dive into that with my guest. And it's it's great to uh, not only talk to somebody that has a similar uh, challenge in life, <clears throat> but also when I'm doing this podcast from time to time. If I get a, a diabetic kind of low, I have to have jellies or Lucas a right beside me that I have to dive into during the episode. So I don't feel that uncomfortable by saying that to you, Owen, because you probably have something similar there. If uh, if you need to, to have a sugar uh, bump, it's it's always on, on hand.
0: I'm certainly, certainly dead right. <laughs> I've actually, uh, Rob, thanks for having me today. Uh, but I know you're dead right. I've actually just finished up work at five o'clock and... Uh, it's now quarter past seven, and I went for a bit of an evening run. So I'm, I'm sitting here with my uh, with my backup cereal bar and uh, and a juice, <laughs> ready to fire in today's today's talk.
1: Very good, very good. Yeah, I just have my bit of Lucasade here. It's probably not the best thing to be drinking uh, sometimes, but we'll get into the the different ways we manage this uh, this challenge. And um, but on, not only are we talking about type one diabetes, but we're also going to talk about <clears throat> another big, I suppose challenge that you faced recently uh, which was kite surfing from uh, i think you call it the kite surf road from uh, from france to ireland maybe you can talk to me a little bit about that uh, little adventure
0: yeah no problem at all um yeah look i suppose uh where do i begin it's um a few years ago i came i suppose i became addicted to the idea of doing these type of challenges and um you know a kind of the idea of testing the body is one thing but also testing the idea of of with type 1 diabetes is a whole nother ball game um and it's been a few years since my last challenge um i've just recently relocated back from australia with my wife uh, to over to europe where we're we based ourselves in edinburgh and while i was away in, in australia i fell in love with kite surfing. and um it's one of the type of sports that you kind of it if, you know, you, it's it's a challenge not only for your body, but if you're a type one diabetic, you're you're heavily reliant on checking your blood sugars on a regular basis. So the idea of going out to sea with just a wetsuit and a, and a kite surf board and a, and a sail above your head kind of creates a number of different um, <laughs> challenges when you're a type one diabetic. So the idea came up when we were we were looking at um, you know what's the longest duration you know looking at the next challenge. And then the idea of, of, you know, linking the idea from France all the way to Ireland. And I wanted to do something, as you said at the beginning, it's close to your pancreas, um, which was type 1 diabetes, you know, and um, doing that for Diabetes Ireland, you know, I grew up with diabetes as diagnosed at the age of four. Um, and from there, then I, I you know, I, my life has just has been, has been kind of worked around the idea of, of managing it and managing the disease from the best I can. Um, and the challenge itself was, was not, you know, an endeavor to, to go, oh, look what I did, but it's more along the lines of to point out to kids that are growing up with diabetes, just as I did, um, to say, look, you, you know, with the right management, you can achieve whatever you want. And, uh, so we, we kind of, it was an international effort. We pulled in some major sponsors worldwide, uh, tourism Ireland, I have to say were, were incredible. Um, from an Irish, uh, Irish standpoint, they, they made it, they made it possible. Um, and we pulled in some some major surf brands like Quicksilver and a, and a few others. Um, it was around eight months in the making, um, and um, we we kind of came up against a number of I suppose challenges along the way. Being a type one diabetic, uh, number one, I need to be able to access my my blood sugar, um, and that was going to be achieved by by using the the avid freestyle Libra um, for those who aren't aware, it's, it's a it's a it's a it's a monitoring device that that acts just as a telephone. So you can scan the sensor where I had it, which is on my arm, and you can check your blood sugar automatically straight away. And then, as well as that, then I was also using a, an insulin pump. And uh, this is something I, I I I started using when I was in Australia. And again, it, it, it's a life-changing piece of technology. Um, following, I suppose with, with the technology aside. Um, you know one of the major things we needed was was a, a support vessel and uh, you know covering 295 nautical miles um in storm like conditions uh, was going to create a, a a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a challenge um and the team in Ballycotton uh Ballycotton Sea Adventures they they, they jumped on board and they um you know didn't even ask it didn't ask twice they said look let's 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 do this one condition: you land into Valley Cotton, and uh, I said, "Not a problem." <laughs> so um, a number of different players, all amazingly, you know, came together from from internationally, and and uh, we we set sail uh, at the end of uh, end of June, and um, unfortunately, the wind wasn't exactly the weather conditions weren't on our side. Um, you know, we, we gave it a serious effort, but you know, as we came into shore, it, it just got it just got too rough. Um, you could see the Valley Cotton Life uh, Lighthouse. And the boat was swaying from all, from side to side, and we said, "Look, this—you know—the the the challenge in my eyes is complete." Um, although my, you know, I think all our bodies were at a point where our nauseousness had, had gone past that point. It was—we <laughs> were, uh, you know, spewing over the sides, and um, we had to pull the pin. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a learning curve, but um, yeah, no, it was it was a good it was a good challenge
1: brilliant and we will come come back to that a little bit more definitely about some of the other challenges that that you took on i suppose over the last uh few years prior to that more interested bringing it back to when you were four when you were diagnosed uh, do you even remember uh, like at that time what it meant to you uh does that does anything come up for that
0: rob it's it's a it's a it's a it's a good question and it's 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 uh it's one that is actually one of my first memories. Is me in in the uh, Waterford Regional Hospital, and I'm sitting outside, having gone to our GP with my mother. Mm. And um, I remember the panic in my mother's eyes. It was kind of like you know we were we, were, we you know one of four uh, kids, and you could just see that we're going into a whole new world, the world of the unknown. Mm. And uh, you know it was we we were learning quickly. It was like a hockey. You know, a hockey stick. Um, We—it uh, was yeah, one of my first memories, uh, and um, I rem- even remember my first meter. If that's as strange that sounds, but uh, um, I have to say, you know, we—we—I we, um, don't know if it was a look of faith, but we ended up getting a fantastic doctor, and 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 he was, you know, key to the whole idea of, you know, bringing the bringing me along as a child, and and um, you know, particularly being a child you, you come up against some complexity you know you, you, you can't monitor your child all the time mm-hmm. and uh, you know you go to primary school and I remember you know you talk about your bottle of Lucozade I remember having to have a, a bottle of Lucozade in the secretary's office in primary school where you know if it was a case I was feeling low I'd have to go up to the, the, the secretary's office mm. and um, you know and it was quite funny you go up and you take your Lucozade and, and, and then you pursue life as, as normal which, which I did and it never really affected me mm. um Fortunately enough, you know, I was kind of. We grew up in a very active lifestyle. We were all, we were all, we were all runners, and um, you know, we, we. It never really affected me. Fortunately enough, uh, you know, obviously along the way I've, I've had hypos, and, and you just got to pick yourself back up. And you've got to learn from them. Um, but the idea of this challenge was, you know, technology has come a long way since I was a type one diabetic and I was diagnosed, and. I only realised that when I was living in Australia that, you know, I, I, you go through these waves and sometimes you pretend you're not a diabetic, you know, in your mind, and you, you know, you, you try ignore it and you, you, you know, you you go out and you have your pints with your friends and then you're the one that has to pick up the pieces. Well, actually, mm. not only you, but, but also your wife and or, or your partner, um, and. Uh, you know, I, I was more along the lines of embracing what I actually had, and and that's what I did I, when I went to Australia. I, I embraced technology, mm. and uh, you know, we, we we got our. I remember testing the uh, Abbott Freestyle Libre for the first time, and it was like a, it was like a, it was a world-changing device. You know, you could mm. it gave confidence not only to myself, but it also gave confidence to everyone around me. And um, with just that simple bit of technology, you could see the impact on on people around you.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so, yeah, I'm probably rambling. No, Sorry. no, no, it's, it's
1: great. I, I, I'm I'm trying to resist jumping in and asking about 50 different questions because, you know, it's fascinating to me and from that, that this lens because I'm also one uh, type 1er, um, there's lots of things going on. So I guess just to bring it back again, so you were four, first thing, you know, the you hear a lot when you get type 1, ask the question, is it in your family? Is there somebody else that had it? Was there any uh, history of it in the family?
0: There wasn't there wasn't at all oh. it was uh, I was I was the first and uh, hopefully not the first of many but I'm, I'm yeah. the first one in my family on both sides right um and then i increased the uh increased the complexity on top of that at the age of 5 i became a celiac okay um and so they they interestingly enough they actually go because it's a, an autoimmune disease they go side by side and at the time there was only a handful of us in ireland that that was diagnosed of course celiac disease is quite common amongst amongst the, the kind of celtic uh celtic geographies but you know it's it's it was one that added that kind of more difficulty in helping you to 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 treat diabetes um you know if you look at the the uh gluten free products on the, on the market today let alone 25 years ago twenty five twenty six 26 years ago mm. you know they're heavily concentrate with, with sugar and um so that that added a whole new you know Whole, whole new challenge in terms of from from a treating perspective you know mm. um yeah it was it was sorry go ahead
1: yeah no that that's that's similar to myself like i guess there's nothing in it in and um you got diagnosed at four i was i think 34 so there was a, a bit of a, a gap um when i think back to saying if i had been diagnosed at five or six and and growing up you know this um the sense of is there a stigma around it it was funny when i when i was when i came out i came out pretty much straight after being diagnosed because i just didn't see it as anything hey guys this isn't something i've done wrong here it's just one of these things um not so long after i found out a couple of people that i knew that also had it but but never told anyone because there was almost a a a level of shame around it you know
0: it's actually a really good point and it's something i've experienced and uh my wife has been a big backer of me you know just and my family, you know, the, you know, your support network is so key. Um, but for some reason, um, we, we see it as a sign of weakness. And, and that was one of the other reasons why I've done challenges and not, not only proving my, proving it to myself, but also kind of setting the benchmark for kids with it. And, uh, I've, I've experienced it in my own, my, myself in the work, you know, the work, normal work day where, you know, you meet a colleague or, you know, a kind of secretive of my inslam pump. Um, whereas after the recent challenge, because I let everything on the line, I was just like, "This is who I am, <laughs> and I've done this." And uh, but it, I don't know what it is. There's a psychological element to it that it impacts us, you know. And um, I, I've asked the question before to actually Diabetes Ireland, and uh, there's a chap there, Kieran Kieran O'Leary, who's, who runs Diabetes Ireland, and he talked to me about, you know, you wouldn't believe some of the top businessmen in Ireland. Are type one diabetic, mm. and you know, every now and again, when they do a fundraise, they'll get a check and they from a specific company, and uh, that's because you know this person is a type one diabetic, but they won't publicly, you know, talk about it, and you know the the impact of doing, you know, this, the impact of talking to, talking about diabetes and and you know showing that you know there, there are no problems if it's if it's you know. Monitored and, and treated correctly, um, it possibly could be the case that it's you know that the people feel that that, the, that are suffering from the diabetes feel that like they're not treating it effectively, that they potentially the best they could, and as a result, you know they're scared to you know <laughs> expose themselves and make themselves look vulnerable in case they do have a low. Um, mm. But I think that maybe that's that 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 is a that is an impact on it. But uh, I couldn't get over. How many people have reached out to me when I did the recent challenge um, from all around the world? And, uh, you know, people that, you know, you're, you'd be surprised. Uh, I couldn't get over it. Even my own network, who are type 1 diabetics, couldn't yeah, it's, get over
1: it. It's, it's a fascinating thing because stigmas around mental health and lots of other diseases, I suppose, if there's depression and things thrown in there, people are so afraid to um, to, to talk about it. More and more, I think, are coming out about it. But, for me i don't know if the lens i look at it it, it's not our fault in lots of ways right in in all ways it's not something you brought on by anything you did um you know and even if it was it was still shouldn't be a problem talking about it but um i find it hard to believe but hard to get my head around it in some ways and yeah by doing these hopefully uh, events and even talking about it here and some people that, that listen in kind of get get that message I think is, is definitely important. Y- you mentioned management from those early years. You know, all I've known is the, um, I don't know what, the little uh, checker that I use and it has the cassette in it and uh, it gives me the reading. I've tried the Libra for, for a couple of weeks and definitely found it very, very useful. Uh, my management is pretty good, I suppose, so it, it, I've never had to go to the pump yet, um, but... The more running I do, the more exercise I do. I've done a few marathons since I got diagnosed. <clears throat> it is something that I'm, you know, considering. When you were growing up, the technology though was way more primitive. How how did you manage it in those days? And you know, what was what was the challenges like around that?
0: Yeah. Um, look, uh, the the just just from my perspective, just on the pump. um Um. it's been life-changing for me because it's opened up new areas. It's allowed me to to challenge myself a bit further. And Mm. people have that kind of stigma where it's over here, you don't qualify for a pump unless your management is really bad. And that was the problem for my mind. I was like, how how good can I get this? (laughs) Mm. And and then they were like, oh, you're on a pump. And I was like, well, actually, a pump is like going to an automatic car. Instead of being manual, I'm, I'm going automatic. And... Uh, you know, it's, it allows me to do things that, you know, I, it's 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 nearly, it's as close to a bionic pancreas I can get for now, you know? Yeah. And um, that's what I was trying to achieve. But uh, as you asked, you know, f- for the early years, yeah, it was, it was sim- similar to yourself where, you know, it was, it was down to testing as, as, you know, your three times a day, your insulin was three times a day, and this was what the doctor told us. Uh, you know, you test three times a day, whereas when I kind of got into it and I realized, she will, I should be testing far more than three times a day. Uh, oh, I should be testing
1: to maybe eight times um, or so nearly.
0: Yeah, and and test. You know, after we were learning by doing, and mm. um, sometimes that can be detrimental. But fortunately, um, you know, my both my parents they're they're self-employed, so and their their company was was at home, um, just on our on our near our house. So as a result, my my folks were always around me and. Uh, a close family and and that that helped a lot, and I was second youngest so and that that also helped a lot, so that goes back to my point on on kind of your support network um but yeah it was it was you know testing three times a day, doing your insulin three times a day uh I was on nova i was on uh god it was Lancelin and um it's a long acting and a short short yeah. acting and I can't remember the short acting
1: <laughs> it has been, it's been a while there's a nova rapid or something like that. Yeah.
0: It was so it was equivalent to NovoRapid. Right. And, uh, yeah. So you you know you'd take your long long acting in the morning and then you take another dose of it then at night time to carry you through the night and uh, um, and then you take your your short you know your your quick 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 acting insulin then with your dinner and uh, mm. you know I, by, back then you were heavily reliant on what your folks did uh, and this was one of the impacts of having diabetes as a child you know um, you know the old idea of carb counting because I had it so young. I wasn't really aware of what carb counting was until I really kind of had to go to university, mm. and um, you know, or into secondary, I, I should say. Right. You had an idea of what your body was going to take, but but you knew the fundamentals, but you weren't really skilled up on it. Mm. Um, and then going through university life then, that was uh, uh, studying abroad. That was a, a, another challenge in itself. And, and as a result of, you know, having diabetes, I was always scared to test the boundaries. Not that you should do, but mm. it's always good to know your boundaries. <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, you know, you come up against it, you know, the drinking culture. And I, I kind of stayed towards more sport, uh, the, the more sport as I could. And uh, But, you know, every now and again, you let your hair down and uh yeah <laughs> of course creates, creates a number of, yeah of course yeah I,
1: I, I like you know there's never a good time to get type 1 diabetes i guess but getting it at 34 is probably uh one of the better ones because i've kind of got a lot of that craziness out of my system in in the college days and nights and mornings or whatever so um there's a blessing in disguise there but did you at any point kind of rebel against? This, you mentioned, you know, kind of taking a break from it sometimes, what was that like, you know, did you have those kind of backlashes the whole, why Why did I get this sort of thing?
0: Yeah, completely, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I particularly when I was in I found it hard when I was doing my, my junior cert and then again when I was doing my leaving cert um, you know, I think it was a mix of you know, hormones uh, I think it was a mix of you know, everyone's getting to go out and drink cans in in the forest. <laughs> Why can't I do that? No. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I just never really put myself into that that, that position. But uh, I started to rebel against it because I found it hard with with the idea of having a high blood sugar, and you're sitting in a classroom. Um, I found that hard being when, when I was young. You know, it was how to actually you know, control that, and take your blood sugar down when it needed to come down or, or you know, prepare yourself in advance.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, and then as a result, having the high blood sugar and going through the education system, you know, you're, you're not taking anything in. You know, it's, it's, um, the only way I can describe it is, is you know, you're you're half asleep uh, or you're, you're, you know, and you're, you're expected to take in a, a you know, <laughs> word for word out of a book and it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, mm. It's uh, everything is foggy and it was very very difficult. And then as a result, going through those exam periods, you know, you get nervous. Your blood sugars fluctuate. They are linked to your hormones. They are linked to your adrenaline glands. And as a result, you get spikes. And and I just hated it. I I felt that I wasn't able to show what I really was capable of doing. You know, mm. and. As a result, I've, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder, and I just hated it, the idea of having diabetes. Um, but I came out the other end, and uh, I learned from those periods. And, and uh, you know, it's all about preparation and, and making sure that you know you are relaxed and you know your stuff, and checking your blood sugars regularly as many times as you can. Um, you know, that is the one set that you, you can reference, and uh, if you if you can spot trends, it's it's the best thing that you can possibly do. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we kind of came regimented after that and uh, uh, kind of went, went, I suppose, going to university then I had a, a one opportunity to show that, you know, I, I'm capable of doing this on my own. And uh, I gave it a good go and, uh, and you know, I, I had a great time at university and um, had a great group of friends uh, that I met uh, while well away and, um, you know, I was very, very open of the idea I am a diabetic. and and then they they kind of grew with me as well, you know. But there are there are times where, you know, the wheels come off and you rebel and and, and you know you've got to pick up the pieces. As I said before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd like to think that they're in the past. <laughs> sure. um, it's, it's all about you know preparation and regimentation. So
1: yeah, and I think when people manage it well, like you do, um, that that people then wonder maybe you know they hang around with you thinking god there's probably not that much involved in type 1 diabetes anyway because look at all he's doing all these things and he's fit and healthy it's not that serious i think you know you're probably the exception to the the, the rule in lots of ways because i've heard of lots of people that are terrible at managing and uh, when you know one person maybe broke up with their girlfriend and was more concerned about how they were going to manage their diabetes now because she kind of managed it for them effectively. So I think it takes an awful lot of discipline to um, to keep things on track. Would you have had that discipline naturally? Do you think that's a, a muscle that you developed as a result of diabetes? And has that discipline helped you be successful in other areas? Probably three parts to that question. Sorry there. <laughs> yeah,
0: look, um, I... I, I uh, to be honest I, I i uh i don't think it's something that i had before um i think it's something i've i've developed over time and i am not one that's going to raise my hand and say i did this all myself you know I'm, I'm i'm speaking to you today here from my home and um my wife has been with me now 10 years you know she's she's rode the storm with me like and um you know, she, I've learned a lot from her as well as, she, you know, and, 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 you know, I, I you're, you're not only looking after yourself, you're looking after your, it's a team, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, I think that's, that's important to, to, to flag up, but, but it's not something I've, I've had before. I think diabetes is kind of, it makes you think ahead. It, it makes you kind of think about what you are going to be having for dinner when you go out with your friends or it kind of, um, it does have that impact. Um, has it impacted anything else in my life? um not not necessarily um the idea of thinking ahead i i, I no I, I don't think it has to be really honest um
1: that, that's you know, cool.
0: i i don't think yeah i don't think i'm a unique i don't think i'm a unique idea of having diabetes i I'm, I'm doing this all very very well you know obviously everyone has their bad day and um it's important to flag that up you know mm. you know it's it's uh, Every day has an element of complexity in it. It's about how you work around it, you know. Sure. Um, um, but, you know, I think what I try to do is, is certainly kind of get into some sort of routine. And, and routine is not something that I, I would necessarily go to as such. Uh, I think you mentioned previously, you know, your you, you background in project management, so you found yeah. it very easy. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love exercise. So uh, every morning I'd get up for, and go for a run and uh, um I love trying to test and, and, and forecast what my blood sugars are before I go for the run and after the run, and I, I really enjoy that. Um, I like, I generally like looking after the body as a result of that, and, and um, that's not only. And uh, I always kind of look at it, like you know, you see these endurance runners, and you're like, I wonder how I do that." <laughs> you know, what's, what's, uh, how is that possible? Of course it is, but just how, uh, you know, how about you going about doing it? so um, it's a Duco in itself
1: <laughs> No, you're you're dead right and I think, yeah, like I, I do joke <coughs> about it but it's very true that if I hadn't a background and uh, fundamentals of project management and looking ahead as you say, planning, there's no way I would have been able to adapt, I suppose, quickly enough with um, the news of, of, of getting diagnosed and kind of bring it into my own day and routine and stuff like that, so I think I think that's something you can certainly learn and develop, but I was probably lucky from that, that point of view. Um, and I, I definitely believe that, for me, it's it's been a defining part of my own journey, turning many different corners, but it's it's helped me focus. It's helped me um, try things that I wouldn't have probably done before uh, as well. So it's really important to kind of look at it as a enabler uh, as opposed to a disabler, and I think that's something... You you talk about um certainly as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. one hundred percent and look it's uh, to be honest, if uh, I wasn't a type one diabetic I probably wouldn't have kitesurfed across the Celtic Ocean or um cycled uh to, to, to Gaza or you know, or the challenges we did in Australia. That's being really honest. Um I kind of felt as as we said at the beginning you know people people feel that people that have diabetes feel that they um you know they might necessarily have something to prove but they're they're scared to say that this is a weakness and uh, as a result of me having diabetes, I, I was kind of asked to show that uh, this isn't a weakness <laughs> so as a result it uh, enabled me to challenge myself to <laughs> the outer limits um, which which uh, yeah to my partner and my parents uh, it's been a bit of a nightmare but mm. it's, it's it's been good.
1: So mention you mentioned the 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 bike riding uh, and and other challenges across um, Australia. So so maybe just talk a little bit about the, I suppose the the planning behind it, the the why, other not just for for your own self, but the higher purpose uh, around some of those. Because I you know I guess they're all leading. To the latest one, and I, I'd imagine that the latest one isn't the last one. By the sounds of things, I, I would say so. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, look, I suppose was two thousand and eight was the first major challenge. It was um, it was Christmas time, and my brother, who's a he's a human rights lawyer, we're talking yeah. about what's what was going on in in uh, in the Middle East, in Palestine, and Kaz in particular, and uh, we were we were kind of you know. It was Christmas Eve, and we, we, you know, you've got that sense where you, you haven't seen siblings and family in so long. You, it's great. You got that kind of energetic buzz.
1: Everything is. And uh,
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We're going to land on the moon after the pint. You know, the Christmas yeah. night. You know, but we said um, we would look at getting a. This the summer we all had free, and we were like, let's let's uh, let's get a, a van and convert it into an ambulance and, and drive it across to. Uh, to uh, the Middle East and then you know, as the night went on um, the pints were obviously flowing and uh, we, we said well vans are easy, <laughs> why don't we cycle and to our credit the next day we were up bright, bright and early and we were looking at the actual possibility of doing this and uh, it just flew from there, It just everything flowed into place and uh, we ended up having four cyclists. Uh, we had a, a support vehicle which was designed to be an ambulance. Um, it was it was six thousand kilometers, and we we're going to knock out 100, 180 kilometers a day. Wow. Um So we we did it for medical aid for for Palestinians, and from my side it was for the type it was for the diabetic aspect. So we started doing the math on. At the time there was a, a, a there was a, a block on medical aid going in uh, into Gaza, and uh, we did the math on if you're reliant on insulin getting in, what was your life expectancy? And, um, you know, it was down to, it was down to a few weeks. Wow. So we, we started, it kind of brought it home, you know, and said, yeah. like, this is, this is quite real, you know, and so we said, let's, let's do it. So we, um, we got again, pulled in some big sponsors from all over. Um, we had Ridgeback Cycles, we had Shimano, we had Garmin, we had a few others. Mm. Um, and, uh, we, we, we headed off from Waterford. Um, yeah, uh, I got a guard escort out of Waterford and we, <laughs> we, we headed on our way. And, uh, yeah, we was, it was, it was a, it was a life changing journey and, and the preparation that goes into that, you know, the, you're only as good as the driver, you're only as good as your support team. Mm-hmm. So you'd get in and your support team had your exact amount of carbohydrates ready for you wow. cooking. And the generally this was a porridge or this gluten free porridge of that, or it was rice, um, or it was pasta. And, um, you know, you'd, you you'd fuel up and then you'd get back on the road and then you're asleep before you know it. Support team had packed up, you know, well, packed up ready, everything ready for us to leave at around 4 a.m. the next morning. We would get on the bikes and the support team would go ahead, uh, for the next pit stop and, and we would, that was a constant rotation for around 40 days. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was an incredible journey. You know, we went across the Turkish flats down into, uh, Syria uh into Damascus and the people they meet along the way, you know, it was quite interesting. It was really, really interesting. Wow. Um but it, it certainly did challenge and I'll never forget actually. We got to uh we got to Bulgaria and I I was taking my blood sugar a lot more than I expected. Sure. And you know, I was taking it, you know, I I did the math on it, okay, I'll do it eight times a day. But I was doing it far more than eight times a day and as a result I was actually burning through my test strips, mm-hmm. and my brother had to. He was he was back. He was in the UK, and he was planning on flying in and meeting us in Turkey at the Turkish stop. And uh, he ended up having, he ended up flying in as a surprise. I was getting really nervous, and the anxiety was building up in my head, thinking, "Oh my God, I'm running down on strips here. Yeah. I've got a limit the amount of strips I have. How is this possible? Mm-hmm. I didn't want to quote a havoc for the team." And yeah um but again they were aware of it without me even knowing and right. uh the uh garage ended up flying in and he had boxes of test strips in his hand i'll never forget it and i was actually just really
1: see oh, this you know uh,
0: but it was quite funny it was uh it was a it was a great experience
1: oh that's that's uh something that makes me kind of jealous even thinking about it um just because I, I i remember a few years ago i was thinking about running for like across the states, um, doing a marathon and something random a day or over three hundred and sixty-five days, obviously didn't go much beyond an idea. I think I did my back in at the time, but but those sort of challenges are taking off a lot of planning. Um, are are for the greater good, but but are are so I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I'm kind of getting caught up in in the in the idea of doing them because of the excitement and the pushing yourself, and and again the the message that it sends. If you can do that, you know, anyone can do something um, greater than themselves and not be held back by by type 1 or, or whatever it is, you know, that they may be using as a as a barrier to a limiting belief that, that prevents them from pushing themselves forward. You, you just mentioned about the life expectancy of somebody without insulin there and I, I'm on Instagram and follow a lot of the type 1, uh, beyond type 1 um, folks and stuff in the US and obviously over there they have to pay for insulin and it's not cheap. And I see a lot of the time people rationing the, uh, you know, their, the use of their insulin, how how dangerous that is. Like, and again, I think it's without insulin, we're probably over a certain period of time. Maybe in, in, in the Western world, we probably last a bit longer. But, you know, did you ever do any more research into that? Like how long we would la- last without insulin as a type one? I,
0: d- I didn't. um I, I didn't, but... You know, it was one thing that um, it came up again when I was in Australia, and um, we were we were we were having a conversation similar to the. We called that trip to Gaza "Pathways to Palestine." Okay. Uh, um, we had a similar discussion, and it was the next time it came up, which was about the life expectancy of people with diabetes in rural environments, and it was mm-hmm. about Aboriginal healthcare this time. Okay. And we ended up doing a similar challenge for Aboriginal healthcare, but it was about the life expectancy. And what I was surprised at was I remember look I remember looking at um kids in Gaza, so it was for neo, it was neonatal hospitals, neonatal healthcare, mm. and it was a diabetes that were linked to that. And there was a high there was a high population of diabetics in the Middle East, which I couldn't get my I couldn't get over. It was mm. quite a lot. And um the life expectancy there was, I think it was, quote me, I think it was like three weeks, three to four weeks before it becomes very, very like it's becoming very serious to the point that you know mortality is on their doorstep. Wow. Um, um, but then we were on an Australian a friend, a close friend of mine. Um, he's a he's a dentist over there, and we're talking about Aboriginal healthcare and. Um, it was three Irish. Three of us were, were all Irish. Uh, one's a doctor, one's a dentist, and then it was myself. Um, and we decided to do something similar, where we 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 were going to basically race from, from Melbourne to Sydney, and and by no by, by no extent. Am I a cyclist? You know, I, I don't even own a bicycle. Um, and I, you know, <laughs> We wanted to go there in four days, it was 250 kilometers a day in the height of summer. Mm. <laughs> it sounds madness. But um, it was for Aboriginal health care, it, it was a charity called Closed Gap, but again it was focused on diabetes, and we looked at the life expectancy for Aboriginal healthcare with diabetes, and Rob, I'll have to dig up the actual figures and maybe yeah. you can include it later. Yeah, protein. yeah. Um, I remember thinking it was actually a lot worse than what we initially saw for Gaza, wow. And. Uh, and it's an unusual one over in Australia. You know, it's it's a great medical system, but it's if if you're if you're in the Aboriginal community, it it can be quite difficult to get access to it. Um And uh, that was something that really was highlighted to us. So uh, you know, it was it was quite interesting. It was, it was it took three Irish guys to cycle. <laughs>
1: yeah, we we went Tend to try and push ourselves beyond our own limits, uh, especially when we're uh, in in warmer climes. Anyway, I can only imagine the uh, the suntans after after that and the the, hot, the heat. Um, so so the, the the challenges became, I suppose, varied and 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 maybe greater. Uh, pushing yourself a bit further. The as you started to get, I think you uh, reading. You have been kitesurfing for ten or more years. When did the kind of idea for the the kitesurf road um come up and when did you start kind of plotting that one what preparation went into it
0: yeah um i was looking at kind of races i I used to you know take place in a number of take take part in a number of races um over in australia and you kind of get a bit of an addiction to it i suppose um you know the idea of the the preparation the you know the, the planning ahead and then the idea of this this mega challenge was um you know, I was doing a bit of research on on kite surfing from from the UK to Ireland, and then and then people have, a lot of people had completed it before, mm. and then I, I looked at the idea. Well, what's the furthest I can actually go? It's from France maybe, and um, I found out this this chap Bruno Sorca had, had completed it before, and uh, Bruno came a few kilometers from the coast, and uh, his kite just completely died, and uh, I was like, well, look. Bruno, Bruno gave this a good go. I'm going to try get this. I'm going to see if we can we can make it right into Ballycotton. Cotton, right. and um, reached out to Bruno and uh, we had a few conversations, and then uh, it, it, the things started kind of getting more and more real. And I was kind of saying it to my family: "This, oh, we're going to do this in summertime." And then that was kind of the first pass.
1: <laughs> and then were they ever I, kind of I... telling you don't don't do this sort of thing? Were they always supportive of it? Were they just thinking? Here's another another uh, challenge coming.
0: It was yeah, it was kind of on the. Sp- it was that it was it was kind of that that big that uh, they, they they actually didn't think it, it would happen. Right. <laughs> um, and then I kind of plotted away in the afternoons after work, and I was trying to piece together what does this logistically look like because I had to bring in a support team and I had to bring in sponsors, and then I had to also make sure from a health perspective that this is actually possible, you know, and um, so. Mapping that out and then incorporating the training into my day my day to day work regime. Um, I work in the renewable energy sector, so uh, the 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 work I look after is is kind of the development of offshore wind farms. And we're very active in Asia.
1: Ties in nicely with your your job, so you're (laughs) kind (laughs) of the
0: wind, yeah. 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 (laughs) But as a result, you know, we're, we're we're doing a lot of work over in the US and and also in Asia. So as a result of traveling traveling a lot. Which has its own impact on diabetes. And then I was doing my work and then I'm trying to train. So, um, it was just an absolute challenge. And I'll be really honest. I remember when it was all finished, I was physically sore and I was just like, God, this is great today. I actually just don't need to worry. (laughs) Mm. Don't need to worry about training or I don't need to worry about my carb intake. Uh, I can just, I can just kind of go back to normal for a bit. Mm. Um, which was great. But yeah, look, it's, it was in short, it was around eight months of planning and uh um i needed every minute that every bit of that eight months there's no way you could cut it any way short
1: wow yeah no and just pick up on something when you were as well just the challenge of of traveling when you're type one if i travel to the u.s with my job not only is the the food a little bit more uh, glucose heavy uh, that that would be on but then the time zones and things like that it really throws throws me out of whack um for for the duration how do you how do you kind of adjust to that
0: yeah look this is where i I think the insulin pump is really really good um so i get on the plane um i would change my insulin pump and i'd land it the the the, the time at the destination so it means then that your basal is uh your 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 basal rate is already set um i I tend to stick away from heavy carbohydrate diet. Uh, di- um so yeah you talk about the u s it is it's, it's a very sugary orientated environment and you only realize that when you're obviously you're when you're a type one diabetic um hmm. because you can see that what what the impacts are um so it's it's lots and lots of water. Uh, I tend to try it in the morning, and the evening, just to kind of get the get the blood, blood circulating and get into a new routine, mm-hmm. um, and and stay on as much kind of chicken orientated foods as I can. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Not deep fried because you know as yourself when you deep fry something, there's more fat and then it. it stops the breakdown of your insulin. And as a result it causes a high and then you compensate for the high and then you potentially have a high pole later down the line. So um yeah. just try keep it as much as I can, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. It's uh it's a bit of a juggling act. Um just interested when you were doing the kitesurfing challenge um en route, how did you actually obviously you had the the Libra and and the pump to administer was that that how you were constantly managing that was it did it add much extra I suppose maintenance over the, the duration of of the the trek
0: no so yeah what I did was um, Quicksilver who, who provided some great wetsuits they they what we did is we had a an area for your actual pump to fit into okay um meant then that while I was on it I gave it, it was maybe forty percent less basal so that's forty percent less insulin. On a the idea of an insulin pump for the listeners is is yeah. basically it's providing you with a consistent base load of insulin mm-hmm. whereas before you take an injection and then you take another injection and another one so on this on this and when I did the challenge, I reduced my base load of insulin by around forty five percent right um, which is quite significant um, and then on top of that then I had access to my freestyle Libra so I it was I put it on a waterproof case. I could scan my, my Libra on my arm, the sensor on my arm, mm-hmm. um, and then you could check and make sure that you're on track. Right. So, you know, you have a baseline where you don't want it to go above, you know, 11 or 10. I, I allowed it to go in around that region when I was kiting because, you, you know, you're needing the energy and you're mm-hmm. needing to keep it just cheek. Um, and then, you know, it would, it would flag an alarm then if it was going below four. Okay. Um, then on my back then, um, I had a, um, a camel pack and the camel pack was broken in two. So you had water and also you had a glucose. And then you also had gels. So the gels were on my chest. So it meant then that they could access the gel easily, rip it off and, and take the gel in, in, into the body. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that's only a temporary fix. And then, you know, if it was the case you're, you're going down, you, you needed to get more carbohydrates into the body. So there was pit stops where you'd, you'd have the, the rice and, and uh, you know, you get the plenty of bananas into you and uh, lots of nuts but um, yeah that's that's how we we overcame it
1: (laughs) and what was the hardest part of the of the journey for you what was the I suppose was there anything that you didn't expect that you didn't plan for that uh, was particularly standing out
0: yeah look the the, from all the planning that went into it um, and and you'll appreciate this uh, with your background is um, one thing you can't plan for is the weather, and uh, it it added, you know, it it was kind of a, not only a, a bit of a deflation in my mind, as you know, in my in my head I'd visualise this, you know, arriving to Cork by mm. kite, and and uh, it, it was a bit deflating, um, excuse the pun, <laughs> um, to uh, arrive into Cork on on the back of the boat. But mm. um, look, that was fr- from a from a actual overall what we achieved, but. I have to say what really kind of put it back in perspective for us was when we arrived into Cork and we had a, you know, there's 60 to 80 people there waiting and they were all from either in some regard a relation to diabetes or they're from the local community. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I met a young, I met a young chap actually who was, I think he was seven years, seven or seven years of age and he was a type one diabetic and he was with his parents and, uh, he had his insulin pump on him. And uh, you know, it puts in perspective like this is the whole idea, what we're doing this for, you know. And Mm -hmm. he was just he was blown away, you know, he was blown away, and uh, it was good, it was it was good. And it kind of I was a bit disappointed arriving in, but got to meet the young kids, and it was kind of like, all right, job done, (laughs) let's go back to reality,
1: yeah. And it was great to to do it, great, great to get the publicity a little bit out of it because that I think it was true diabetes ireland retweeting that I, I had seen it and then obviously were on it was on the rt news as well so so hopefully others you know have latched on to it and know about the efforts and, and again awareness that will come out of it can only be a positive thing right
0: absolutely 100 percent. no big time
1: very good. So, as I said earlier, you know, judging by your constant challenging, there's bound to be something new on the horizon. Uh, w- w- is there anything you can share? What What's the next thing you're plotting that uh, might bring it to the, a whole another level?
0: Uh, Rob, we're gonna we're gonna do a pancreas transplant. <laughs> count me
1: in. <laughs> count me in for that as well.
0: No, nothing, nothing in the pipeline just yet. Uh, um. I'm just getting back to normality,
1: sure.
0: <laughs> but uh, you know, as, as something when something does arise, I'll uh, I'll certainly let you know. Do, see do if you're keen to get
1: involved, definitely, definitely. Let me know. Um, I, I'd love to to kind of get involved in something that that can help br- bring the uh, the awareness up. You, you mentioned the bionic pancreas, and from I think when I got diagnosed, you know, like anyone, I suppose you you go through that uh, d- denial phase, and no, it couldn't be me. I remember the day I got checked and. I had like a reading of twenty one. Um, or I think I had a reading of twelve or something, and then they said, Well, look you mightn't be go back home tonight, eat what you'd normally eat, check your bloods and see what what it's like two hours after eating and I checked it and it was twenty one and I kinda said, Oh geez, that's three times what i what what I should be So I, I started to sink in then and then I kind of did all the research and see like where's this master perfect cure for it from somebody in the Philippines that can, you know, Rub something on your back and you'll be cured instantly, or, or whatever. <laughs> kind of gave up on all of those things after a while, and then just got used to it, and you know, just exercise more, and uh, the catalyst for for doing more positive stuff came. But still keeping an eye out for um future developments and how how it can hopefully one day get like almost cured. But the whole idea of that kind of closed loop where where the the the, the the pump or the the sensor talks to the the patch talks to the pump and releases some insulin and can kind of yeah. do it all automatically have you you know your closeness to the to the uh diabetes organizations that are working on stuff like this have have you any insights into anything coming there
0: yeah look i i did a bit of research um and actually you, you asked the question how did this all come about and i think this was actually the starting point of of the challenge um I was reading about this, uh, this chap in Silicon Valley who has type one diabetic son. Um, He's diagnosed, I think he was nine Mm -hmm. and he made a, this chap was, the father works in the tech, tech world. Mm -hmm. And um, he said to his wife and his son that he'll, he'll have designed a, um, a closed loop artificial pancreas by the time the son needs to go to college. And to his credit, he's he's after he designed up this product. Um, he raised a significant amount of money on the on the stock exchange. Um, they've got around twenty people working full time on it and they're about to sign off on a deal with a major pharmaceutical company. Wow. So I knew that they were doing trials and I contacted him, and um, when I can, I get my mind on something like this. It it won't stop. So sure. I managed to track down his personal number. Wow! <laughs> and uh, he was in the car one day, wife, and I said, "Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use your technology. I'm gonna kite surf across from France, to Ireland, um, and uh, he ended up. His, he had, we ended up having a number, we had a conversation after that, and." and uh, he said that the technology was only getting tried in, trialed in in the US. Okay. So um, I think this is one to watch. Uh, it, it, you know, under these type of solutions that are coming out, and uh, you know, I, I'm one. I'm, I'm kind of of the mind that look, I don't think there will ever be a cure for type one diabetes. I yeah. think it's it's about it's about the technology and the management tools that are going to be made available to us mm-hmm. that'll help our, help improve our lives. You know. Yeah. Um, the idea of co- continuous glucose monitors that are at the market now, and I've tried those a few times before, the where they can actually... Yeah, exactly. They can link to your telephone mm. and uh, can give you a, a warning when your blood sugar's dropping. Mm. You know, and uh, these exist now, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and I, I'm thinking, you know, if these exist now and we're, we're about to go live with human trials for a, a bionic pancreas, uh, you know, what does five years have in, uh, have in store for us?
1: Yeah, no, it's exciting times, definitely. And I guess, <clears throat> excuse me, even for for parents that have young kids now that are type one, having that um, ability for to get the signal sent to their phone to say, you know, Mary or Johnny or whomever has gone gone low, you can you can only imagine how uh, much peace of mind that is um, for for them. And uh, yeah, like the I, I think I read about Google when I bought my or not google am i talking about apple when i bought the iWatch, they were saying that there was going to be a sensor built into the iWatch that could detect the sugar levels through through the the pores in your skin and hydration and and be able to get readings that way i think they're working on something like that it's not there yet obviously but yeah there's lots of different angles these innovators are are going to take and it's it's a it's funny that it what's inspiring those guys is that maybe they have somebody in their family that's suffering so um yeah like it's uh, it's definitely one to watch and definitely on the closed loop one keep me keep me in the loop on that if you have that guy's phone yeah. number maybe I'll, I'll i'll drop him a text as well and see <laughs> if he wants yeah, to uh, wants to put me into uh, the trials over here i can i can do a podcast about it on a weekly basis and give updates and stuff like that, so.
0: you know this is what it needs you know people don't talk about it, it don't be a, and then uh, say hats off to yourself for for, for flagging it up um it, the, the chap that's running that that uh, company or that technology is setting up. His name is Ed, Edward uh, Demanio. Right. D E M um, I A N O. And um, yeah, no, it's it's a it's an interesting one to watch. You know, this 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 is one of many technologies that are out in the market now. Um, but you know, it goes back to you know, if you're a kid and uh, you're in a primary school class, you know, uh, junior infants or senior infants, and you know. You're a teacher and you're, or you're, you're, you're a parent of a child with type 1 diabetes. You know, how do you, you know, you're going to have a separation anxiety or you're going to have anxiety full stop with the idea of, you know, your child has diabetes. You know, uh, how do you know that, you know, they're not going to have a hypo? And uh, that can consume your life. And that's where I, I, I'm one to say you've got to embrace the technology that's around you. Um, so if a school teacher has the ability to scan a young child's arm and say, oh, look, um, you know, Rob is, is five and uh is on the upwards you know you can trend it you know yeah. I think that's 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 life-changing and it makes sure then that the child is in is good it's in a it's in a good place to learn as well you know that their their mind isn't consumed with a uh, high glucose level and they're not fidgety they're able to concentrate uh, i think that's key you know and uh that's something that certainly wasn't around for when I was young
1: yeah no that's it's a fascinating point and and the point of being high like i'm you know at work some days i might be at a 12 or 14 or 15 after lunch or whatever and you know it's it's very hard to explain to somebody like everybody knows that i'm a type one at work but it's you know even if i'm not as focused or or whatever mindset i'm in um you know you don't almost you almost are reluctant to oh that's just my type one it's almost like an, an excuse but the uh the impact it can have, I think, is probably just not not oh, well anywhere. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Like even in a sporting environment, you know, and growing up for me was Steve Redgrave. You know, mm. he was yeah, he was a man that you know really pushed the boundaries, and uh, you know it was you know it was incredible. You know, so and if from a sporting perspective, you know, I remember doing long distance running um, as a child, and uh, you know, some days I would have a a training would be perfect for me. Mm-hmm. And then would come to race day, hey, and you'd have the nerves and that would impact you from a high blood sugar perspective and you know, you didn't want to go low in your cross country race so you'd take an extra bit of banana and as yeah. as a result your blood sugar's through the roof, your heart is already doing, you know, you know, ninety beats per second before you even start running. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's 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 a bit of a nightmare. So uh yeah.
1: Yeah. No, definitely. Uh, those guys are are fascinating to to learn about. Like uh, Gary Mabbitt is a footballer as well. I don't know if you've heard of it. He used to play for Tottenham Hotspurs, and he was a Type yeah. One, as well. Um, tried to get in touch with them, but not so, so far, not successful to try and get them on would be interested to hear. Because like those guys would have, as a professional footballer, managing Type One was tough. I think. Um, you know, he nearly. I don't know. You know, getting injuries and you know the complications of getting cuts and things like that um with with blood clotting and stuff as a type one or or ho- all other areas to, to kind of be concerned about um oh, and look this has been fascinating i probably could talk for another hour on this but uh, at the risk of probably losing people that 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 don't have type one diabetes that uh that would monopolize this conversation hopefully those that don't that have learned something about it and those that do um take you know inspiration from what you've been doing uh and and continue to do so i think that's only a good story to uh to share I, I might ask you just one kind of wrap up question and and then maybe you can sh- talk about how folks can follow and get in touch i've I started to ask a question of if you could listen you, you said beforehand you like listening to podcasts if there's anyone that you would like to hear in a podcast interview who who, who jumps into mind it doesn't have to be a, a diabetic it could be but um it's, all, it's an interesting one I'm starting to pose uh, might give me potential new targets as well. Hey, good good question.
0: Um, you put me on the spot here now. Oh, that's um, alright.
1: We're not, we're not live I, so we can pause it. I, I,
0: you know what I... I, I, <laughs> I uh, is there anyone that inspires
1: is? you or that you'd love to hear more from?
0: You know what would know be an interesting one is uh, you travel all over the world and Gaelic football and hurling gets incredible credibility uh, You know, fr- from a from a perspective of sport and commitment, and it travels well, and it would be interesting to get um, one of the managers, you know, interviewed, mm-hmm. talk about, you know, from a team perspective and, uh, you know, they've got day jibes as well as this, you know, Yeah. <laughs> and um, we forget that sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, I would love, I'd love to see the inside of, of what goes on in their head mm. <laughs> on, a, on a Monday night when they're trying to relax after the Sunday game, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: you no, know, you know that that would be an interesting. It's yeah. a good one, yeah. And and believe it or not, I've done whatever 120 something plus interviews. I haven't interviewed somebody from the GA w- world yet, uh, and th- that's not by <clears throat> me ignoring it. I just haven't got uh, got around to, and probably because I'm originally from Longford and I never really played that much Gaelic football or hurling. <laughs> they were not the strongholds, so it's probably not in my DNA as much as others. But I'd love to talk to somebody that has you know managed. Uh, county team to a very high level, and as you said, manage their their day job as well, because a lot of them are have high high powered, high important jobs. So it's uh, it's certainly an interesting one. I'll I'll put on the list and have to hunt somebody down.
0: Good man, good stuff,
1: brilliant. Oh, and just to let folks know to follow you, and you know, I'm sure you'll probably be doing more conversations on on the topic of type one and breaking through barriers in the future. So let folks know how they could uh, check you out.
0: Yeah, that's, that'll be brilliant. Um, I, I'm, I'm over actually in Croke Park in, um, in November. We're, we're doing a, a, an event for type, type 1 diabetes. Um, mm-hmm. um and that's in the, it's mid, mid November. Um, but for people who are interested, be, I think it's going to be advertised, uh, leading up to it. But for, um, anyone that's interested in following me, my, my Twitter is at Owen Quinn. It's, uh, E-O-G-H-A-N. Quinn, uh, one and the uh, same goes for the uh for the instagram so uh that's that's me you can follow follow my uh uneventful life other when other was other when, when doing uh challenges but uh it's pretty pretty boring mundane life but yeah
1: great stuff i'm uh, sure as i said i'm sure that there there's something probably stirring in in somewhere you'll get inspired to do something else uh, i was i was t- expecting you to talk about doing a an ironman there's an ironman here in um in uh, y'all that was on for the first time this year in cork and it's on again next year so the full iron man would be a, certainly a good one to uh to target with a, a long cycle a swim and yeah. a bit of a bike ride
0: yeah no absolutely actually um it's something that we were my, my wife was saying why don't you just do something normal like an Ironman? man <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's boring
0: it's not, it's not normal yeah, yeah it's not normal at all and that's that you know what uh, it, it it scares me but, uh, no, I'm, I, it's something that's certainly on the list. I want to I wanna get something like that over there. I don't think I'd, I'd have the capability to, to do it. I think what those guys do is incredible. Yeah. Um, but uh, I might start with a sprint and work my way up.
1: Very good. I wouldn't say it's uh, interesting to see if there's many type one iron Men. I, I'm not aware of any, uh, but I'm sure there is. But uh, it would be a tough one to, uh, to continually manage or, your sugars during that, considering it's probably twelve to sixteen hours, I would say on on average.
0: It's going, yeah, it's going to be seriously tough. Actually, when I was doing the challenge, um, head of the challenge from France over to Ireland, the Nova Nordisk cycling team. Hmm. I was in touch with them. Uh, they'd reached out and they provided some support and stuff, which is great. Cool. And um, I was touching two of the cyclists. Uh, one of which is from Ireland, actually. Right. And um, uh, but that, it was it was really really interesting. It was just in terms of their prep and you know I was trying to understand from a preparation perspective what what do you need to have you know how do you plan ahead here you know, am I am I doing everything right because you're always going to second guess yourself you know sure. um, but uh, and they they were they were an incredible bunch and the systems and team behind them were equally just impressive
1: mm. well definitely it emerges from what you've said every time about the challenges the the importance of your team and it wouldn't happen without them so that's uh, another important call out I think
0: yeah uh, no absolutely Absolutely,
1: very good. Oh, look, it was a pleasure to chat to you, man. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, flies along when when we're having fun, and um, look forward to uh, sharing this with the the uh, the world and the the the, the type one uh, world uh, as well.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, we better be careful. We'll talk our way into a, a hypo or something like that.
1: <laughs> I'm going off now to uh, gorge on some um, jelly babies to just bring me back up.
0: <laughs> Goodbye. All right. Good stuff. Great stuff, have... Owen. Thanks. Thanks a
1: million, man. Good luck. Thanks bye 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 bye, so this is the outro of the podcast, guys. You got to the end, and that is great. Please hang in here for another couple of minutes. I know most people won 't, but maybe there 's something here of interest, so check this out first off, thanks so much for listening to this one, as well as maybe the hundred or so that 's gone before it. Why not check them out if you haven't already? There's lots of good stuff in there. The whole podcasting journey for me has been a huge learning and I'm trying to help you guys learn and improve as well. So much has changed over the last few years since I started it. I've really realized lots of the goals that I put out there and then realized so many unexpected benefits as well. And I think anytime you take on action Towards a goal, you're going to pick up lots of things that you didn't expect along the way, and hopefully, they're good things. In this particular episode, was there any one or two things that jumped out? Maybe you could take a pen and paper out right now because this is something that you might think of during the episode but never do. Do it now, take it out, write down a goal that you're going to set yourself as a result of something you learned from this episode, put a plan in place, and then work towards it applying yourself deliberately over time take ownership build a habit improve get one percent better share accountability with somebody you know in a buddy system and learn and grow and improve that's what it's all about that's my hopefully inspirational piece done other areas to note check out the website rubofthegreen.ie. you can consume everything there for free there is obviously the podcast there's video one minute monday clips there's articles uh, not enough but i'd like to put more there if you're interested in putting one there let me know and there's a get better at page which I'm starting to add new content to over time there's a feedback page if you want to email me rob at robofthegreen.ie instead but it's all about trying to engage you and get you to a place of improvement so I'm open to feedback as I said ways you can help me is by following me on the socials at robofthegreen.ie is the website or at robofthegreen on all the social platforms subscribe to the podcast on any of the apps that you might listen to it on talk about it tell a friend about it tell your family members about it share some of the ideas not only to your friends but to me is there anything i can improve upon sign up to the newsletter that's there as well i'm experimenting again with a group called slack rob of the green on slack this is really for a shared accountability environment and sharing ideas you can sign up to that on the website as well all of this is obviously all free but there is also a, an option where you could subscribe to my patreon site and make a small donation for the content that we do it's there it's totally up to you everything that is coming in through that or could come in through that we're going to making the podcast better so to close i am always trying to improve and get better change is difficult i know that but it's all about taking the first step learning something applying yourself moving forward you can do this i've been able to improve pushing myself outside the comfort zone learning and i think if i can do it so can you don't overreach don't set yourself unrealistic goals one percent at a time is enough but it's all about starting and that will bring you on your pursuit of betterness to a great place thanks for sticking to the very end talk to you next time and take care good luck